Hello, and welcome to the latest podcast for The Lancet. I'm Gavin Cleaver. This week, we're taking a look at virtual reality and simulation in surgery training. Now, virtual reality is fast becoming a more accessible tool. From low-cost setups like Google Cardboard, which works using nothing more than a normal smartphone and a £10 or so piece of kit, to the now Facebook-owned Oculus Rift, virtual reality is booming. According to Statista, the number of active users of virtual reality equipment is set to hit 171 million in 2018, and that's up from just 200,000 in 2014. What was once the area of science fiction is being swept along by a generation of digital natives and affordable equipment. It's not just gamers who are putting this equipment to use either. Virtual reality technology has finally caught up with clinical training and is starting to offer the sort of tools that can give an aspiring doctor invaluable experience before they even encounter a patient. This is particularly true in the arena of surgery where high pressure situations are the norm. What was once a learning on the job situation can increasingly involve high tech training equipment designed to simulate every part of actually performing surgery, from instrument selection to correct procedure to touch feedback. First, I spoke with Andre Chow, surgeon and co-founder of Touch Surgery, about the mental benefits virtual reality can offer to surgeons. The way that we look at things is that we focus very much on that cognitive aspect of surgical training. You know, if you'd imagine, you know, everyone understands that a, a great surgeon needs great hands. So that's their technical expertise. Um, not many people think about the brain of a surgeon, unfortunately, but that's the bit that, that we concentrate on. So it's about making sure that surgeons truly understand the safe procedural steps or the safe workflow um, of an operation and giving them that kind of standardized and safe environment in which to learn and rehearse that. I guess it's a, it's a similar way to how you know elite athletes or musicians can gain as much from mental rehearsal as they can sometimes from physical rehearsal. Right, and in a, in a way I guess that kind of also prepares them for any surprises that might occur in the operating theatre. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there there are so many decision points during a particular operation that the more that you've rehearsed them, the more that you've automated them, the easier it becomes to actually react to something unexpected because you don't have all of that cognitive load um, that's being placed on you. And that's that's why experts are experts and and novices are novices. And so what we what we try and do is to allow that cognitive rehearsal, cognitive automation of of the of the surgical procedure. And presumably, there's you know it's it's a constantly developing technology. Presumably, there are still things that you'd like to do with it, and still kind of lessons you're learning as you go along developing it. Not only can we help surgeons prepare for surgery, but you know probably in the future, you know we may be able to assist them during surgery in the operating room as well. Um, all based upon the same concept of of kind of cognitive workflow and pro- cognitive process of surgery. Um, and so that's, you know, that's something that we've learned over the last few years and there's a, a kind of a, a direction that we're heading in. The opportunities for this technology to make future medical practice safer, more consistent and at decreased training costs are very interesting. Pasquale Berlinghieri, who runs a surgery simulation suite at the Royal Free in London, agrees that the machines are already making trainee surgeons more confident in their skills and more comfortable in the operating theatre. Confidence is the main, is the first step about the uh, about uh, about learning and becoming independent. Our point was that was very simple. When we created the uh, colorectal curriculum, say, I mean, the module was pretty realistic, and of course, if someone is not really, I mean, clearly demonstrate incompetence in a controlled environment, how on earth would you trust a person to be competent in the real environment? And and is is about attitude. 
Okay, when someone is supervising you, is about uh, uh, your ability to cope with uh, stress. We already know that there is about between 10-15% of deterioration of your performance if someone is, is looking while you're performing. And, and it's quite interesting because when they are on their own, they are very happy. As soon as there is the formative assessment or summative assessment, uh, they will say, I, I can assure that I'm much better when I'm on my own. And we always say, yes, but when you're in theater, you know, you're going to be surrounded by <laughs> a lot of people watching you while you're doing the operation. So it's something you really have to learn. The main reason why we knew that we were on the right uh, path is because all the very best junior doctors came here and they were willing to pay. As, in terms of the future, where do you see your centre, say, in, in five years' time? Where do you see the technology moving next? I think it will be a um, possible dream will be like a sort of a, a procedure, a procedure rehearsal studio where uh, you can have... Uh, see, what, what you have now with technology is very much like a standardised. So you have a sigmoid colectomy, which is the same one for... Uh, is the same module practiced by all different uh, doctors. So potential in future is just to recreate from virtual reality different pathologies. And they already do that with the process of segmentation for vascular surgery, where you can have the CT scan of a patient, and then you can download the CT scan, and then you can upload on the endovascular simulator. And then through the process of segmentation, you can cre recreate the perfect anatomy of that specific person. All right, so literally rehearsing the exact operation you're about exactly. to do. If you have a difficult case and you know in advance, you can uh, recreate it and then you can practice in a controlled environment first instead of going straight away to theater. So probably um, imagining like grade four endometriosis, frozen pelvis in a patient with several adhesions. So it, that, that would be the dream. And I think the technology is heading that way. If it's gonna be five years time, Probably not, but definitely it is on the uh, on the agenda <laughs> of recreating uh, and personalizing the uh, the virtual reality graphic of the operation. Alex Young, a former surgeon whose company Verti has created training which can collect data and analytics about clinicians as they simulate performing tasks, agrees that the mental preparation of clinicians is one of the key aspects of employing virtual reality in a training setting. What we are specifically focused on is that decision making and preparing people mentally before they get into a, an environment. We've actually done some early work with sports teams. So it's a little bit like visualize, you know, sort of all this kind of sports visualization about thinking, you know, how am I going to swing my golf club? How am I going to score the winning goal? And it's, you know, mentally preparing for that. And if you've done it, you know, a hundred times in a, in a VR environment, chances are you're going to be better than someone who's never done it before when you come to the real thing. Do you see this as something that could eventually be rolled out to kind of lower and middle income countries as well? A hundred percent. So uh, again, you know, that was one of, one of the you know the reasons behind um, going for the the really affordable uh, model, which is that it's you know widely available on phones. You can actually standardise this training and, and make good practice more common almost. Well, that's exactly right, and, and that's one of the big things that um, that we've been doing. So, um, I mean, for example, when I was teaching people either CPR training or teaching someone how to do a, a surgical procedure. It's very subjective. I would sort of watch them do it. They might do some pre-course reading or, you know, watch a video or something like that. But there's no way to objectively assess how people are doing. And I think that's the real power of VR, which is, especially for our platform, which is our, you know, unique selling point of what we're doing, is it's pulling all that analytics data out of the environment 
and then we're providing that to the, the educators and the users so that they can improve. Virtual reality is here to stay, and it's the surgical training tool of the future, helping surgeons stay cool before they even get into the operating theatre. Thanks for listening to the Lancet podcast. You can listen to our whole archive on iTunes and thelancet.com, and if you like this podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes as well, all completely for free. We hope to see you again next time.